Hello and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford and joined as always by Stu Lennon. Hey Stu, how are you today? I'm in fine form, thank you Justin, how are you? I'm doing great. I got rid of the hot weather and it seems like it came all the way over to you. Yeah, we're, we're sort of more usually hot. Um, this is kind of what we would expect at this time of year, but it is warm. I'm at, looking at my, my Apple Watch now, I'm at 33 degrees and it's five o'clock in the, in the afternoon, the evening. Um, yucky. Yeah. We had some of that last week. We actually burnt down an entire town in uh, BC this week because it was uh, 49.5 degrees at one point wow. and it caught fire Wow! and the whole town got burned. So uh, it's unseasonably warm for us right now. I'm not sure what the temperature is right now because I take off my Apple watch before I record so it doesn't tap on my wrist. But uh, yeah, it's been a warm one and I'm glad it's cooled down a little bit here and you can have it. <laughs> well, you have the pool. Well, yeah, we're, we're kind of built for it here. So uh, we still whine and whinge about it incessantly but truth be told i went and chased a little white ball around a field today so i get what i deserve it was extraordinarily hot out there but that can't really be a surprise can it ah, not really hopefully it made the ball run a little quicker well we, we did all right justin we did okay away from weather and on to some follow-up i wanted to talk about Asidian a little bit I ran into something interesting that I hadn't really considered. And I was yesterday been the 1st of July. We're recording this on Friday the 2nd. I went to do a series of monthly questions that I have. They're a task in OmniFocus. They're kind of a little bit of personal reflection. How did the last month go? What did I accomplish? What do I want to accomplish in the next month? What do I want to look forward to in the next year? Just to kind of keep my goals aligned with what I actually do. In OmniFocus, I have an Obsidian link, which is perfectly clickable and will open Obsidian right to those questions. Except for the fact that I was sitting with a pen, notebook, and an iPhone. So I wanted to remember exactly what my questions were, and the Obsidian link doesn't do anything once you're not on a Mac. I know they're working on a iOS application and I hope that comes pretty quick because that was the first time that I kind of hit a stumbling balk on that. I didn't want to break open a Mac and head to all that distraction. Yeah. I mean, the, the iOS app exists. It's, you know, very firmly in beta. And if you go on, because you've contributed, haven't you? You've paid yeah, I think you've got to be the um, high-level uh, rich people paying to get uh, that access, I believe. Oh, I, I don't think I paid much. Maybe we can talk about this offline, but um, there, I, I've got the access to it and then, then sort of said to myself, why on earth would I do that? Yeah. I'm, 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 not, I'm not even effectively using it on Mac yet. Mm. But yeah, I think it's definitely in the roadmap for everything to be sort of, you know, seamlessly syncing across all your devices and all of that good jazz. But um, yeah, right now it's a bit clunky, I think. Mm -hmm. And that's right up until Apple releases its next updates and you can't find anything in Safari anymore. Oh yeah, let's not go there. Let's really not go there. <laughs> All right, Stu, tell me what your tool of the week is. Uh, well, this is a cheat because I've essentially stolen your tool of the week from last week. I've noticed a pattern here. We, we are doing this to each other regularly where one of us says something, the other one makes a note, goes away <laughs> and adopts it. So, um, I've been using analog again because I bought it a long time ago mm -hmm. and it's been sort of, I've been using some sort of hybridy botched up sort of version of the system and been less than enchanted with it and you were you were waxing lyrical about it yesterday and you, i think you've been quite rigid with the with the today pages which are you know the key to the system very much so this week i've been i've been doing it properly as we would say and yuck, who knew it actually does what it's supposed to do so um i've been putting my most important tasks the things i really want to get done on a day on one card no more than i mean in my case actually maybe four or five tasks and it's kept me on task it's kept me focused so Excellent. very much enjoyed it and i've i've combined that with our pen and ink of the week mm -hmm. so i now have a very sort of eclectic collection of of cards with different colors of uh, ink and stuff it's great love it 
Yeah, that's kind of the fun of it, I think, for me, is just using one ink and pen all week long and seeing each week how that changes, you know, where you're adding to things. You can see what week you put anything on the to-do list, the defer list, basically, because it's in a different color. And that, if nothing else, is an incentive to make it go away. Absolutely. What about you? What have you been using this week? All right, so it's a little bit of follow-up, and it's a little bit of me just using a new tool, the Grow Journal from Baron Fig. It's one of their sort of guided journals. And I said last week that I was feeling a little bit out of sorts because I had no journal, no central journal on the go that I really felt like I could track things and really use on a daily basis. Again, I didn't want to combine it with some of the other things that I was doing, though I was contemplating it last week. I have the Grow Daily Journal, which is kind of a templated journal. It's got spots for your mood, little happy face, sad face, a grouchy face in my case. It's got what time it is, what day it is, sort of a page a day type of thing. It has some templated ideas of what you can use, but I'm really using it just as a gratitude journal, tracking journal. I'm using some notes, kind of keeping track of a few things. Basically, I've got this on my nightstand with a nice pencil. I'm using a, an absolutely wonderful uh, Mitsubishi 3300 with a soft B. And it's uh, just uh, below Steinbeck stage. I put a little ex pencil extender on it because there's no eraser on this one. It's absolutely great. And I've just been working in that all week and I've just really enjoyed it. Uh, Baron Fig, I know why you use them for work, Stu. They're very nice journals. Yeah, they're lovely little books. Very straightforward, very simple, um, very well made. Mm -hmm. Kind of what you want, isn't it? This one is a gray with a yellow accoutrements. So the elastic clasp is this beautiful yellow contrasting color. Which is just so pretty. Uh, okay, yeah, of course, because you, you don't get elastic on the um, on the sort of standard Baron figs. Oh, that's right. I think most of mine are the specialty ones. So, good lord, I'm being assaulted by a Jack Russell here. <laughs> he keeps coming up to me and pouring me aggressively. I think he's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Charlie. But then uh, Mrs. Lennon has just uh, driven up the driveway. So this is all live, live, ladies and gentlemen. And so the dog is now going. Ah, there is the bringer of food. So. Uh, <laughs> There'll, there'll be some uh, some audio challenges for the uh, grumpy editor mm -hmm. um, <laughs> in a while as dogs go bananas, wife opens door. <laughs> oh, he'll love it. The only thing we've got to do is put the air conditioning back on, and he'll be really happy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll try. We'll try and resist that. Now, what about your pen and ink of the week? What are you using this week? So I went with something that I did pick up, and I haven't used once. I think it had one fill when I first got it. I wasn't in love with it, put it on one side and went back to it. It is a Schaefer Tyrannus. Mm. I'm not sure if you have seen these, Stu. Uh, no, it doesn't ring any bells. I'm, I may have when I see it. I don't know. It's sort of a metal pen. This one's in a beautiful metallic blue color. It has a black grip, but the middle of the grip in between where your fingers are has this big chrome thing that says Schaefer on it. It goes down to an almost hooded nib, uh, which is about the same size, maybe just a little bigger than a pilot uh, retractable nib. So it's very, very thin, kind of coming out of the middle of it. Okay. It's a medium nib. For me, very, very wet. It's a little finicky, though. It likes to be held at a very high angle, and it works perfectly. If you drop the angle, it hard starts, which annoys me. And I haven't spent any time this week. It's been a busy week. I haven't uh, done any nib tuning on it to get it to work a little bit better. But uh, overall, it's interesting. It's uh, I, I filled it up with Robert Oster's Soda Pop Blue, which is a sheening ink that's a nice bright blue that that goes very well with the the blue of the of the pen itself. And it has some wonderful sheening as all of Robert Oster's stuff does. And I absolutely love the ink. And because this is a medium, it is wet enough that I can get quite a bit of sheening just on some of the papers that I'm using in the week. And there we go. Uh, cartridge converter. It's a sort of metal pen, but it's very light. So I'm assuming it's made out of some brass. 
a very nice, very nice pen. I'm, I'm not over in love with it. Uh, maybe if I fix and dip a little bit, it might be a little bit better for me, but certainly something out of the back of my case that uh, I've enjoyed running with for a week. Well, a, a, a European medium, there's hope for you yet. Mm. Yes, uh, it feels like I'm writing with a poker. <laughs> Absolutely. Spraying ink all over the place. Mm -hmm. How about yourself? What do you use this week? I'm in one of my favourite pens, so um, I sort of opened the drawer and went, oh, yeah, it's probably time for that. So I love Pelican, and this one is the 605. It's a limited edition, whose name I've forgotten, but it's the... Well, it's probably called something like Sunburst, but it's a bright orange pen with some gold and black accoutrements. Oh, very nice. Um, I'll, I'll put a photo of it on, in, on the Instagram again. I picked it up. Where did I pick it up? I think I picked it up at a pen show back when those were a thing in 2019, I'm going to say. Lovely. And at the same show, I picked up some diamine uh, guitar inks. So this pairs beautifully with the Gibson Les Paul Honeyburst, mm -hmm. which is a, a nice sort of shading orange. Mm -hmm. The nib, I think, is abroad. Yeah, it's abroad. Oh, paintbrush. It's abroad and it's it's gold. You know, it's a it's it's a nice soft gold. So uh you can you can you can get a lot of ink out of this nib. Uh and I love it. It's great. You wouldn't want to be writing in the field notes with it. But anything a little more robust can handle it, particularly because it's a, quite a sort of light colored ink. Mm -hmm. And the diamines are really, really nice inks too. Yeah, made up in Liverpool, up in the northwest of England. I knew they were English because I uh, tend to get them out of cult pens mm -hmm. because it's the cheapest place even with shipping. Uh, and they do an amazing job of shipping. I bought the Les Paul series because I own a tobacco sunburst Les Paul. Wow. Uh, which is why I was giving... Uh, Stu a little bit of a hard time in our show notes because uh, he picked the wrong one. <laughs> uh, but I picked up all, I think there's five inks in the series and I brought them in and I ordered them on a Monday and they were here by the Friday, which blew me away because I can't even mail something from my office to home and it get here in that time. Yeah. I mean, cult pens are absolutely superb. They're a brilliant retailer and the founders are, are lovely people. So when, uh, when I lost Nero, the dog after whom my my website is named they immediately sent me a beautiful card with a with a picture of him which was was really sweet of them it was really really touching oh that's so nice nice folk mm -hmm. how do you like the gibson ink it uh, performs well yeah it's um it's a lovely color it's not something you could really use for worky work serious type stuff mm -hmm. that's why it's I was curious because it is quite light, the Honeyburst, I believe. Yeah. I mean, because because it's coming out of a broad nib, there's enough of it there. <laughs> You're not going to miss it. <laughs> it's just the sort of thing that would, would raise an eyebrow. So, okay, if you're the boss, then fine. But if, if you were filling in a piece of paper and giving it to your boss, you might want to rethink the ink. Uh, this is, for, for me, it's it's summary. You know, I think it fits in very well with, with the weather that we're getting and just the way things are. Uh, are going for me at the moment. I just, I just felt, yeah, I want something bright and orange. I hmm. uh, see. Now I'm already thinking about the next pen. I'm going to ink up. Well, I've got to, I've got to start writing more with these pens because I'm, I've, I've got a stack of them inked in front of me. The, you know, my last week was the Twisby and uh, the Twisby five eight. And as we discussed, you can get about four liters of ink in there. So, <laughs> so I'm going to have to maybe do some some sketch drawings or something um do some shading with it if i can use the ink that way and this the 605 is also a piston filler is it not it is yeah yeah not not quite as capacious as the swiss i don't think oh, no i don't think anything is but unless you get into the m1000s but uh, yeah it, even so a good piston filler will give you uh, a year's worth of writing unless you're writing with that broad nip that will get it done quicker mm-hmm all right, let's uh, talk about our topic today. And this will be a fun one because as evidenced by the show notes, I think we come from different places on this one. Uh, we're going to talk about sabbaticals. Mm, sabbaticals. So Stu, you know what a sabbatical is. There, I, I'm, I'm going to let you introduce this because you you have some, some, great, some great thoughts on this one. <laughs> well, um, I, like you, listen to a lot of podcasts and read a lot of books, and there's been a definite wave for the sabbatical that uh, I think continues. It's probably not at its peak anymore, but 
there are plenty of people out there that use a sabbatical type system. Um, and, you know, when pushed, we'll talk about it. So it depends who you're listening to, but the, the essential theme is that you have a, a work, dare I say it's sprint for a certain amount of time, let's say six weeks, and then you have a week of review, sort of closing out that sprint, and then you have a week off, a sabbatical week. Mm-hmm. You can extend that even further. So where I first sort of came across the idea of sabbaticals was, you know, people working in companies after, you know, seven years, eight years, say, boss, I feel that I need to go and explore another part of myself. I'll be back in a year. Bye. Uh, and the company allows you to go off and uh, travel around India on a push bike or whatever it is that, you know, grabs you to sort of spiritually refill you and, and re-energize you. That was the sort of sabbatical that I was aware of. And my wife's employer in the United Kingdom, who's a well-known retailer, offered this. This was, this was actually the key to getting, getting us to emigrate to Cyprus. Oh was that my wife was given a nine-month sabbatical, the option of a nine-month sabbatical. And and she went, okay, we can sort of... It gave her a get-out clause for for the emigration. Mm-hmm. So if she didn't like it here, she could say, well, I've got to get back to work. <laughs> and that was even though her position was was relatively junior. It wasn't her career. This was something that she did, you know, for for pin money and for amusement and, you know, I suppose for, for social interaction. But even in a part-time position at the sort of bottom end of the of the ladder, if you like, this option existed. It's you know it's baked into the company. So that's a sabbatical. It became very much the rage, um, and I heard about it. Uh, largely, I heard about the sweet setup. Use it, and still do to this day. That routine that I just explained: six weeks, one week, one week. That's theirs, I believe. Yeah. Um, and a fellow called Sean McCabe, if, if I'm getting that right. Yeah, another podcaster and writer. Yeah, uh, he he's a huge proponent of this. And I think for him, he, he was actually doing the, the week, the month, and the year. So he was doing all sort of three versions of the sabbatical where he was taking a week off after a sprint. Then after three sprints, he would take a month off. And then after three years or four years off, I can't remember, he would take a year off. Um, and then covid kind of derailed that because the plan for the year off was to travel and clearly travel wasn't great. So that I think is broadly the topic. Is it, Have I got it about right there, do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think I wanted to kind of include a little bit of retreat in there as well. Mm, okay. You know, a, a shorter sabbatical, just getting away from it. Uh, my own approach to this is perhaps a little bit more, uh, less, less uh, supported by a company and more supported by uh, the family in terms of just getting away from things to do some deep thinking, taking a break from our normal routines to, to do that without necessarily so much of a formal idea. Uh, but Stu, how do you like sabbaticals? Do you think they're a good thing? Well, I, I mean, I think, I think Mr. Twyford, you have muddied the waters because you're talking about retreats, which I would consider to be different. All right. So I'll, I'll answer your question in two parts. Sabbaticals. I think the wave of sabbaticals has been so powerful, particularly on the Western side of the Atlantic, because somewhere along the way, the United States particularly got confused about how life should be. And I constantly sit in, I suppose, a sort of, perpetual horror of the amount of work that American people are expected to do and the amount of time they're expected to spend at work. Mm-hmm. And I know that Americans look at not so much the UK, but certainly at France <laughs> and at Spain and go, well, these guys just never go to work because frankly, we don't. <laughs> As you've pointed out, uh, in the Southern Europe, so uh, Italy and Spain, Portugal and Cyprus as well, you know, not an enormous amount gets done in the summer because we're at the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly for August, for example, France is closed. I mean, all of it is just closed. And the whole population of France 
just sort of the center is voided as everybody goes to the edges and hangs out on the coast. Italy, likewise. And Italians, you know, for a, for a very long time, Italians wouldn't dream of going anywhere else on holiday. They, they have a wonderful chauvinism and an amazing pride in, in their country, and, and rightly so, because it's absolutely gorgeous. But they, yeah, they just go somewhere else in Italy for August. I mean, pretty much all of it. Weekends. You know, I think it's a, there's a much stronger ethos in European companies. It's the weekend. So you can send me an email if you want to, but I'm not going to answer it. I'm going to ignore it. Uh, and then I put in a couple of <laughs> sort of British. The British wouldn't openly sort of be quite so lazy as that. Obviously, we're, we're Anglo-Saxon. Uh, so, um, you know, what is it? Wasps, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. So, so we, we, we've got a work ethic. We're Lutheran as well. Except Thursdays are almost, in all the cities, are known as Thirsty Thursday. So you're kind of expected to go out after work with your colleagues and have a few beers. Now, a few beers in, in the UK uh, probably has a different meaning from what it has in the US. So um, <laughs> if, it, this probably applies, well, I know it applies to the Germans and the Czechs as well. But, you know, it wouldn't be unusual to go out and have, you know, six, seven pints which is a lot of beer and certainly makes for a less productive Friday morning. <laughs> Most definitely. But then we also have Poets Day, which is Poets Day means piss off early tomorrow, Saturday. <laughs> I have never heard that before, but I love it. <laughs> well, certainly in London um, and certainly in financial services and also sort of people who've come from there and taken it abroad. My colleagues and I would would generally engineer the week to end on a on a lunchtime at Friday. So are we going to go for lunch? Uh, again, lunch with a capital L. So this this is officially the beginning of the weekend and may in fact last for the duration of the weekend. <laughs> but yeah, you go for lunch, um, have some wine, by which I mean several bottles of, and then just sort of relax into the weekend from there until you can come back on Monday to nurse your hangover. That, that, that's pretty much how it works. So, you know, if we had sabbaticals, we'd probably get nothing done. It, it's built into, into the sort of European life-work balance. It, it's normal, normal uh, vacation time would be 20 days plus all of the public holidays. Mm, wow. So that's standard. Um, and as you get higher in an organization or even longer in an organization, you'd expect to get more than that. And so, you know, when American firms start sort of um, advertising internationally and go, yes, you can have 20 minutes off a year, that's why Europeans go, yeah, no thanks. I'm not interested in working for these, you know, all these big firms because it, it's, you know, the US, I think, does tiny amounts of leave. It's like a week off or two. Yeah. Two, two weeks off. Ridiculous. Most of North America, the standard uh, starting is two weeks of vacation plus your statutory holidays, which in Canada work out to about 10 to 12 days, depending which province you're in. So you're, that is your entire time off. And there is certainly um, an incentive to be working longer hours. When you were talking about your Poets Day, I was actually thinking, my God, I haven't seen any of those since sort of the mid-90s, which probably dates me right there. But that was a thing that used to happen. And then life got too busy and everybody got too profit motivated and the business environment changed. And no longer was it okay to go for a late lunch on a, on a Friday and have a few beers and then kind of dawdle back to your office, pack up your briefcase and go home. Mm. The world has, has changed now. You know, Fridays really are no different than any other days out here. And weekends, well, as you said, uh, there's kind of an expectation that you're at least on call. Uh, should anybody with a uh, higher uh, salary and pay point um, be so inclined to message you for whatever reason? Uh, so it, it is, there is a cultural difference. And I think that's part of where sabbaticals perhaps have become much more popular over here than perhaps culturally in Europe, where you already have that built in. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's one of those where you. I think one has to be cautious that in in providing a solution, it's important not to evade 
discussing the problem. And the problem is that employers in North America expect people to work too much, too long. That's not, in my opinion, and the opinion of, well, the rest of the world, <laughs> the best way uh, for, for people to live. And, you know, if you want to go to the extremes, you look at, um, you know, Sweden has been experimenting with, with sort of uh, four-day weeks for decades. And anywhere in the Nordic countries, the, the dividing line between work and leisure is much harder. And, you know, at four o'clock or whatever time it is, they, they call it a day. Uh, they call it a day. And they're, they're just they're not interested in doing working five minutes more. And they would consider it, if you were trying to work more than that, they would consider you unenlightened. They would consider you as needing help, support, possibly medical attention, because you're, you, you've completely missed the point of life. Mm. It's really quite uh, bizarre the first time that you um, experience it. I used to travel quite a lot to Sweden and Denmark and Norway and even Finland. But as you spend more time with these people, you realize that they're, they're deadly serious about this. You know, working extra time means that you're not doing it right. Smart people, these Nords. Mm. And uh, likewise, of course, summer. Summer is time to spend with the family, to go to, uh, they do a lot of sailing. Vikings, who knew? <laughs> they actually play a lot of golf too. And they have, you know, days that last 23 and a half hours and nights that last 30 minutes. And they, they really, 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 really enjoy the summer. And then in the winter, you know, it's cold, it's snowy, uh, it's mostly dark. So their, uh, their, their viewpoint changes, but they don't suddenly start working more. They, they have, you know, lots of indoor pursuits that they follow, they read and all that stuff. And I, I think it's very important that, that North America gets hold of this, that, you know, all of this wonderful innovation and technology that's happening should be about making our lives better, not, not about allowing us to work more. <laughs> you know, work, work is not an end in itself. And there's a danger that sabbaticals are actually people just getting round answering and dealing with that question. I think though, for North America, there is an ebb and flow. And that's part of the reason that I think about sabbaticals in, in a working environment out here, many businesses have arbitrary deadlines the end of the month means something not to you as a business but to your managers and your owners and your mm -hmm. financial reporting and all the rest of that and almost every business that i've worked to that has some sort of calendar driven date goal their production is on a hockey stick uh, and a hockey stick well, I, I better explain that to Stu because, you know, that side of the Atlantic, I don't think you know which, uh, which end of a hockey stick is which, uh, but basically it's a stick that goes off at it, it goes straight and then it goes up at, uh, sort of about a 30 degree angle from, from perpendicular. So if you're looking at any billing in many, many companies in North America, you have three weeks of a slow, slow incline. And then the last week you ship everything you possibly can out the door just to meet this arbitrary goal. Mm -hmm. Everybody is so knackered by the end of the fiscal month that the next week is almost a sabbatical. They come back, they clean up all the mess they made. Mm -hmm. They start kind of planning again. You know, there's the rush is out because everybody's tired. And I, I thought this is just such an ineffective way because you almost lose, realistically, you lose three and three or four days worth of production because everybody's burned out trying to ship before a arbitrary deadline. And I was thinking, is this something that makes sense? Uh, particularly again, culturally from North America, where we, don't have those times that we are off as a company, that we are off as a culture. You know, for example, out here, one of the things that happens is nobody works as hard as a person leaving on vacation. You spend a week before your weekly vacation killing yourself, trying to get ahead of everything. And then you spend a week on the tail end of your vacation, coming back, killing yourself, trying to catch up on everything you missed during the week. And I look at that and I go, you know, that is because the rest of the 
business continues week after week after week. There is no communal breaks. We get a little bit of a break at Christmas, and that's really going to depend on the industry that you're in. But unlike the summer breaks, unlike the downtime for many cultural occasions, particularly in other parts of the world, there's really not a lot here. Uh, we're just coming up at you to July 4th, and July 4th falls on Sunday this year. Mm-hmm. But quite often, especially in America, that is something where you lose people for two, three days. Thanksgiving in America is another place that trying to get anything done on Thanksgiving week, it's actually easier to get a hold of somebody at Christmas than it is during Thanksgiving because most people travel to be with family. And, you know, maybe this year, the way that things are opening up, a lot more people are going to be traveling again. But it is really a challenge here to take vacation because there is no, like France, where they take the entire month of August off. There is no expectation that you, as a business-to-business supplier, is going to be doing a lot of work there hmm. because your customers are going to be closed. And that has sort of that knock-on trickle effect that we don't get in North America. If you take a week off, you are leaving your desk empty or your your co-workers covering for you in some sort of way. Sure. The idea of a sabbatical seems that we take the the idea that I like of the sabbatical, I I should say, is that we take that rush of the month end and we plan it and we then have the downtime to rest and recuperate and to plan. I've used Scrum for many years and I really like that idea. One of the things after Scrum, you go through a a cycle, and then you stop and you plan. And I think this is where a sabbatical for me makes sense from a business perspective in North America, because I hadn't really considered it in terms of the cultural, the cultural gap between North America and Europe and other parts of the world as well. So it's very interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the, the distinction, so sort of cultural insight is the British think that everybody in Europe is lazy. That's the sort of traditional starting point. Um, and everybody in America thinks that the British and everybody in Europe is lazy. Um, so it, it just, it's just a matter of degrees. And I, f- I started working in France when I was 18 years old. So, uh, God was a boy, you know, Noah had a big boat, you know, all that stuff. And I came across the expression, on fait le pont, which means, uh, we are doing the bridge. And, and, uh, le pont is the bridge and you make the bridge from the weekend to the public holiday. Mm-hmm. So, so what that meant was that if Tuesday is Bastille day, then obviously Monday is a bridge and you don't work the Monday. So you take the weekend, the Monday and the Tuesday. And that Monday is not an official day off. It doesn't come away from your leave allocation. It's, it's le pont. Nobody works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's crazy. What are you talking about? And so the best weeks would be when the public holiday was on a Wednesday. Because then, well, there's no real point in coming to work on Monday and Tuesday because, you know, you're, you're making Le Pont from the weekend to the Wednesday. And then from the Wednesday to the next weekend, well, let's make Le Pont. So everybody would just take the week off. And that's, of course, not possible in all industries. So if you're in a service industry, you're, you're likely to be open. I was working in a service industry. Uh-huh. But even then, it was, we were aware that we were outside of the norm. So we are now working during a, essentially a holiday time. So dress codes were relaxed. Mm-hmm. Timekeeping was a little bit more laid back. When I was working, and this was in a bureau de charge, you know, little glass box with changing money. Mm-hmm. And during those times, weekends and stuff, we could kind of wear what we wanted and we could be a bit more laid back. It was a much nicer time to work. I used to love working on Saturdays and Sunday um, because it was less sort of buttoned down than, than Mondays and Tuesdays. And that whole sort of process of learning about the difference. Um, there was a great guy called Jose, which sounds very Spanish, but it was a French guy, Jose. And he was the first man to take me for lunch sort of working lunch, and I, I'm, I'm doing air quotes for anybody listening. So uh, he would come to me and I'd be working, you know, uh, managing a till. I used to manage the branch. And he'd come to me and say, well, what are you doing? 
I was, I, I'm working, Joe said, you need something. Cause he was a, he was an accountant upstairs. You know, he was a, he was a big senior guy. Them bloody accountants. Yeah. I, I'm just getting, you, you can't work now. Stuart, five minutes before one, it's lunchtime. Come, we're going for lunch. And, and that would be it for two hours. And, you know, he would order a nice bottle of wine. And then uh, I would, you know, your, your big boss is buying you what you Okay, so you sit there and I'd eat this wonderful food. And he says, slow down. Slow, it's not a race, Stuart. Slowly. <laughs> so we'd eat and we'd talk and we'd drink some wine. And then we'd have coffees. Because well, that's how you finish a meal in France. And with the coffee, you'd have Calvados, which is apple brandy. Oh, very nice. Now, now I'm 18. So... I'm pretty much fireproof when it comes to alcohol consumption, but I'm not used to drinking at lunchtime, gotta be honest. And then it would be, okay, well, Stu, it's three o'clock, it's time to go back. So two hours later, we would toddle back to the office and I'm trying to manage, you know, big safes full of cash in multiple currencies. Oh, oh, all I wanted to do was go to sleep. What, what could go wrong? Uh, brandy and uh, ca a handful of cash. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's character building, my friend. <laughs> used to say to me. But I'll tell you what, the French live forever. And this is, uh, they call it the, what do they call it? The Mediterranean paradox that, or the French paradox that the French smoke, they drink too much. They eat a lot of saturated fats and they live forever. And it's been a, it's been a huge thing that they're trying to work out. I think there's even more recent science on all this that, uh, is getting to the bottom of it. Mm -hmm. But certainly I, I bought into the whole idea that living life properly made you live life longer because they, they weren't getting stressed about it. They stopped for lunch. You know, whatever problems we were facing, they could be dealt with after lunch <laughs> with the benefit of a bottle of wine and apple brandy. Everything seems better in fact. <laughs> I think there's a lot to that. And okay, if bringing the concept of a sabbatical can bring that into, into working life, I think it's great. Part of what you're talking about, I think, is that is that idea of, of of thinking time. Yes, and that I'm very much into. I think that's a great innovation. The idea of a retreat, and and it can be a retreat in your garden, or it can be a retreat where you go away somewhere. But getting that, or giving yourself that opportunity to to think, to plan, to to not be sort of focused on tasks and routines. I think is really important. I think there's a huge benefit to that, but that's, that's probably an episode on its own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of lump that in with sabbatical because to me, getting away from it is a chance for your mind to be working on whatever your next thing is, you know, to regroup, to refresh, to come back a little bit, um, more focused and a, a lot more excited. And, and that's kind of why I lump them together. But yeah, you're probably right that retreat as such is a little bit different. I'm certainly looking at sabbaticals. I'm not sure how to do them. Again, we have sort of that cultural thing that nobody else takes a sabbatical. So some industries you can get away with it. And I see it a lot in content creation, which, you know, you can pre-schedule a lot of your content creation. And for many of those people, perhaps been there on the end of a telephone for a week is not as important as other businesses. You know, we, one of the businesses I'm in right now, it's very hard to close down a service business and say, yeah, you know what, you can go somewhere else uh, for your product that you need because we're closed for the week. Mm -hmm. So I, I really have conflicting ideas, but I do like the idea of using that to really drive focus sprints. Because as I say, you know, you hit these arbitrary deadlines and then there's people take the foot off the gas and they take the foot off the gas, but they're still showing up in North America for their eight hours plus of work a day. Mm. They're putting in the time, but not necessarily the effort. And I really, you know, when we're talking about productivity, we're really looking at how much effort can we drive? How much productivity, not just can we fill eight hours and how do we fill eight hours? But how do we focus and get the most important things done in the time that we have available? Maybe it's eight hours, maybe it's six hours of hard work, maybe it's four hours, and you're still going to be ahead of a lot of uh, North America in some ways if you've got that much productive time in your day. But looking at that and saying, okay, how can one implement that in a way that brings forward 
all the advantages of sprint work and, you know, here working to the deadline at the end of the month in North America. Is there a way to do that and allow people to refresh? You know, vacation when you have so little of it out here, you know, two weeks is, is not a lot. If you close down at Christmas, well, guess what? For most people, you get one or two days of paid statutory holiday and the rest of it is coming out of your vacation bank. Mm. So, you know, if you want to spend time with your kids, so you want to look after your kids during the time that they're off, particularly if you have younger children, how do you do that? You know, how do you get away for a week with them? How do you deal with all those issues? And I think in North America, particularly, it's a big problem. You know, you start doubling your vacation allowance when you start in the UK and Europe, and that changes that dynamic quite a bit. It allows a lot more personal time to get away and take a break. Uh, what you find in North America is when people take vacation, they're doing something for vacation. I'm going away for two weeks on vacation. Sure. And vacations like that perhaps aren't as relaxing as just getting some time to work from home or work around the home or uh, some thinking time, some time to go for long walks and, you know, whatever that is to each person. But it's, it's an interesting dynamic and I hadn't really considered the cultural aspect of it, which has really opened my eyes. So I, I really appreciate this conversation, Stu. Yeah, no, I mean, I, th I think that there's a lot of science, a lot of work being done uh, in North America about you know, motivation and getting the best out of people. And, you know, the evidence, I think, is very clear that you want your people to be rested, you want your people to to be focused when it's important, to, to be able to kick back when it isn't. And it may well be that the sabbatical or pre-programmed leave, as you might call it, is the way to do that. And, you know, when I look at companies like the Suite Setup or, um, you know, the, the bit that I'm working through the Focus Course Academy, it's, it really suits that. So, um, you know, everybody is focused on a goal of, of shipping their, their course, of managing all of the bits around the course. And then they take a week to go, okay, how has that gone? What's gone well? What can we learn? What can we take away from this? And right, everybody, see you in a week. And everybody then disappears off and, you know, pursues their own thing. The important thing is that they've rested and that they've recovered and that they come back to, okay, so what are we doing now? And I think for certain, certain industries, that's a, that's a fantastic fit. For others, it's harder to achieve, as we said, you know, some of the service businesses. Although I have to say the last year or two at Nero's, we've experimented with just shutting the doors. So because um, we're now dispersed, I mean, I make it sound like we're, you know, GE, we're not, because Claire is in England and I'm in Cyprus. You know, I can't cover Claire's time off. So if Claire is not in the office, then things aren't dispatched. And we did have a part-time employee who um, was sort of just jumping in, Kaylee, and, and covering Claire. But, you know, she's gone off to university. She's, you know, following her dream. And it's only just now we've, we've got a, we've got a new Kaylee. Um, she's changed her name. She's now called Sophie and we're going to start opening up again. But what we found actually that was that in our little niche of the world, customers were very relaxed about it. As long as we said to them, okay, look, in one week, Claire's going away for one week. So if you need stuff now, order now. If you order in a week's time, it's not going to be dispatched for you until another week has passed. And. Maybe customers went elsewhere, I don't know, but I think the majority of them went, yeah, okay. And if they needed something urgently, they ordered it. Otherwise, they just ordered and waited. As long as they knew what was going on, they're very relaxed about it. Because, you know, most of your customers don't have any spare notebooks on the shelves. <laughs> yes, I think that's also true. Um, we are in a very particular niche. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's an interesting way to, to go about it. And I think it certainly has some additional thought process. I think really, though, looking at where everybody is in their culture has a much bigger part of that. And I guess that explains why this is coming from the U.S. predominantly. It's, you know, starting to, to get a little bit in, in Canada, but really this is a U.S.-driven focus. And I'm very, very interested in how that's going to be. More importantly, I'm very interested in how this can work. You know, maybe there's opportunities for rotating sabbaticals. You know, if you have to have minimum coverage at any one time, 
you know, anybody that's been in the service business knows that, you know, on the weekends, things get a little quieter. You don't need to have the headcount that you would normally need for service during the week, depending on the business that you're in. And I think that we could perhaps look at something like that in, in North America to give people that scheduled recovery, that scheduled rest, and more importantly, the refocus on it. You know, if, if you're working hard for 50 weeks out of the year, your productivity is not going to be as strong as somebody that gets routine breaks in there. You know, you're, you need to have some sort of mental vacation. And I think one of the things I was going to talk about was sort of how we do rest and recovery and sort of our, our own reflection process in light of sabbaticals. But you know, that probably is going to be a, a separate topic for a, an entire another show and another day, Stu. I think so. I mean, it's, uh, it's something certainly I'm thinking about and I've, I've just seen in the show notes what you've written for next week's topic and I think, oh, wow, this, this could be very important for me. To me, I'm fascinated by the way that we will look at a day and we will say it's normal for a third of that to be dedicated to work. So eight of the 24 hours are, are work. Add on some more for commute, add on some more for probably unpaid overtime. It's in that sort of third to a half. So surely the argument should be that we should maybe work for, I don't know, six months. Mm -hmm. That's where the world is going. Do you want to hire me too? Uh, working for six months, <laughs> that'd be perfect. Well, you know, I'd argue that um, most, most firms in North America and elsewhere are paying people for 12 months. I doubt they're getting six months worth of work. And this is exactly the point I was trying to make earlier when it comes to yeah, productivity. Exactly. You're paid for hours, but really we should be paid for just getting the job done. And hopefully, you know, with work from home, though, that seems to be going away here. You know, we just opened up uh, locally in uh, BC here to masks are optional and everything's pretty much back to normal again. Mm. I'll be interested to see how the takeaways from from 2020 and the COVID lockdown and certainly the direction of that, hopefully we continue on the positive trajectory that we're on now, um, you know, but that uh, still remains to be seen. But certainly I, I'm looking at this and saying, okay, are people going to be back into the mentality of, I want to see people with a butt in a chair for eight hours a day. Sure. And I'm not sure that's really the, the best approach. You know, I'm much more interested in somebody, if somebody can power through that in the time it takes to get the job done to a level of excellence. And I think that's the key is not just get the job done, but get the job done to a level of excellence, do it well. It doesn't really matter to me how much time that takes. It's, is the job done? Here's what you need to do. Are you creating added value for your opportunities and your employment? Because you certainly want to be one of those people that just doesn't come in and do the bare minimum. You need to be looking further and further ahead and seeing what you could contribute. But once you can get into that, it doesn't need to be button chair for eight hours a day or 10 hours a day, depending on the industry that you're in here. Sure. So it's, it's an interesting thing. I'm guessing from this then, sabbaticals really aren't a big thing in uh, Europe. This is really a US-led challenge or um, opportunity. As, as I said at the very start, I think there a lot of larger companies have them built in, the ability to take them, but they are sort of long-term. So Margaret's was nine months that she could take mm -hmm. unpaid, mm -hmm. but with her, with her job kept open so she could return. And... I first heard the word, I think, in the sort of academic circles where, you know, a lecturer from, from a college or a university would say, okay, I'm going to take a sabbatical. I'm going to go off and, you know, research what I research or write what I write or just n not be sort of in my day to day job. And of course, anything that's happening in, in North America has an influence here. You know, the Europe looks at it and goes, okay, that sounds like a good idea. And I'm, you know, very often beguiled by these ideas. But um, this particular one, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, hang on, this is, this can be an excuse for not looking after your employees properly. So, you know, as an employer, what I want to do is create the environment in which I can get the best out of the people that I employ. Mm -hmm. And I think the answer to that, certainly in North America, 
would be to turn around and say, okay, we need to take more time off. And there are companies that do it and companies that are leading the way with this because inevitably a lot of the stuff that we consider terribly important is just going to be done by computers anyway. So I think changes are coming, Justin. Changes are coming. Mm -hmm. Definitely. All right, Stu, what's your takeaway from our conversation on sabbaticals and all of the philosophies that go along with sabbaticals and breaks? Well, I mean, the obvious one is uh, we need to do more lunch with a capital L. <laughs> but, but perhaps... Poets Day! Yeah, that's, a, that's another great one. But perhaps the one I would take away is look, rest and recovery is important. And this is something that I've been very aware of for myself. Uh, over the last couple of months, I have found myself uh, not having time to, to rest and recover. Been firefighting, I've my brain hasn't stopped working. It's carried on. And I'm very consciously looking at time that will begin in about three minutes. This is now my rest and recovery time, and I will get back in the saddle on Monday. Mm -hmm. My thoughts are actually to do with the activities you would take when you're on sabbatical. Spend some time thinking about where you want to be in the future. It's really hard. Uh, I go through this process every month with my monthly questions that I ask myself. It's really hard to think about where you want to be in the future, particularly when we're all so busy reacting to all of the needs, all of the emails, all of the phone calls that we have. Check in in your progress and spend some time. A sabbatical is perfect for that. Or a weekend away or whatever you need to do, but really spend a little bit of time for forward thinking. Good advice. All right, Stu, where can people find us on the interwebs? We well, can find me at stuartlennon.com or at nerosnotes.co.uk. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? You can find me at justintwyfer.com, writeexperience.com, which is where I am posting pictures and a mini review of my pen and ink of the week. And you can find links to both of us at stationaryadjacent.com. You can also find our show notes there. This is episode 17. Our next topic is going to be the power of no. Ooh. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.